Hi, I'm Kevin Matthews, a Scottish film fan living in England. And this week I watched Megan. I'll be waiting for the sequel, Megan Again. And then Megan to the Power of Three. And then Megan Again, I think. I'm pretty sure that's how it will go on. I'm Tyler Hosley, and today on the way home from work, I was listening to Avril Lavigne with my windows down, just rocking out. I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned that um, it doesn't matter, you can't escape the ghost land, and this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty light week. I did watch only a, a couple of things that I can talk about currently. So uh, I watched the Disney movie Girl vs. Monster, which is absolutely atrocious, like super atrocious. Like, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, atrocious. I'm still having nightmares and crying just thinking about it. Like, how some of these shit, how some of the shit gets made is just mind-blowing to me because, like, at no step was this good. The the cast is bad. Uh, Now, like, the two, uh, the lead girl and her air quote, rival, uh, both went on to have fairly solid careers uh, still 10, 12 years later. So good for them. I'm not, you know, saying, ah, the, act- the acting's bad because they're kids. They're- it's just like the adults are terrible. It's not fun. It's just, it's bad. And it- it's a shame because, like, you know, this should-, should be fun. But I had to watch it. And I died a little on the inside. So, you know, somebody's got to pay for that. Do you think Disney has a dead inside fund I could tap into for therapy? I doubt it very much. Otherwise, <laughs> they wouldn't have had the money to buy half the world. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay. Good point. And besides that, the only uh, two other things I watched were also both on Disney because I got a special on uh, Disney, Hulu, and ESPN Plus bundle just in time for hockey playoffs. So the other two things I watched were uh, Growing Fangs, which I've already talked about, which is adorable, and you should watch it if you have Disney. And um, season two, I started season two of the Mysterious Benedict Society, which is also, you know, it's okay. I like season one a lot. Season two is is okay. I watched Violent Night, which I didn't like at all. Uh, I hated the tone. It felt like a violent children's film. I hated the whimsical score, which sounded like a score you'd hear in Home Alone 3. Um, I didn't like the over-sentimentality with Santa and the daughter. I just... This movie, I I really wanted to like it, but... I, I See, I hate Christmas. I hate that time of year. I hate the holiday. But I still can enjoy a Christmas movie. I just... I was expecting something different with this one. I don't know. I, Harbor and Leguizamo were really good in it. But the movie itself, I thought, was a, just a tonal, tonal mess. I just, I, I was not a fan of that one at all. I, and I seem to be in the minority there because people seem to really love this one. I just, I, I couldn't get, couldn't get into it at all. I tried. Just left me cold. No pun intended. It was just, ugh. Um, besides that, I, uh, I did a little Japanese homework. I watched Audition again which I think we covered last year, but that movie is fucking masterful. I love Audition. 
Great yes. fucking movie. Uh, one of Takashi Miike's best. He's got a, a very large filmography, but it's definitely high on my list next to like Itchy the Killer and Visitor, Visitor Q and uh, Gozu. I just I, I love crazy Takashi Miike and the buildup for Audition is fantastic and it's just amazing. I love that movie. And uh, like Dave, I had a pretty light week too. That was just me. I just just Violent Night and Audition for me this week. I don't think I mentioned on the actual podcast last week, but I binged The Bear. And the reason I'm mentioning it now is because I didn't realize to you guys it might have been this little tucked away show, whereas it was getting advertised a bit more here because it's on Disney Plus here, which has a lot of the the Hulu content as well. So I think... um, Dave, did you tell me it was a little show on Hulu over there? Well, yeah, I mean, like, there's people that watched it, but it didn't get the it didn't get the push here that I've seen that it got there. Like it was uh, it was an FX show, which you know, FX people that watch FX or people that watch FX. It's it wasn't the cultural touchstone it seems to have become. Yeah, I mean, it's really good. Uh, highly recommended. Great acting from everyone, and I would say. Uh, admittedly the first episode is a little bit you know you're you're going with it but you're thinking i don't want to watch a show that sticks maybe these people every week or whatever you know and and is the journey got to be worthwhile as it goes on from the second episode on you realize you're getting to learn a little bit more about each of the other characters as well and you're getting to know the team it's really good really highly recommended um a really good mix of like looking at obviously that environment uh the sort of kitchen and service environment and uh grief and also uh there's an element of addiction it starts off with the the main character having to take over because his brother um i've god i've forgotten already i think he committed suicide and he'd had addiction issues for something. Yeah, so I highly recommend that while I remember to mention it. Movie-wise, I watched Till, which was really good. Um, it's... I mean, I, I'm, I'm with the many people who are kind of really annoyed uh might be just the best way to put it by the uh snub for Deadweiler. I think her name is Danielle Deadweiler, who plays uh Emmett Till's mother in this because this, you know, coming along just a week or two after um after Sun, which I raved about and said I blubbed at the end for a while, uh Till had one or two moments where it was really moving just because uh, of raw performances that just felt like, you know, the the real plumbing of the depths of absolute grief. Uh, but, but really well done. Uh, I think a lot of people know the story but it's still worthwhile because a lot of it is still sadly relevant. Uh, you know, it's it's good. 
very good. And as mentioned, I saw Megan. Now, I wanted to mention Megan specifically because I had fun with Megan. It's not really the horror movie that I think some people might think it's aiming to be. Um, it's a bit of sci-fi, bit of black comedy. I found it more fun in the second half. Like, the first half is all basically set up. You get people who you know are going to be irritable enough that it could be potential victims. You get pieces strewn around that you know are coming into play by the grand finale. You get all that. When the setup's all done and when things are getting a little bit crazier, that's when it has fun. But I'm going to name check uh, Linus here who listens to us. I did my review for Megan and I wanted to lift his quotes directly, but I didn't. Uh, he has referred to it as both, I think it's Baby's First Verhoeven and uh, R.L. Stein's Black Mirror. And those are really good ways to describe Megan. But it's, it's fun. I can see why it's done well for those who who can sort of enjoy it as it as it becomes more fun in the second half. Although I can equally see those who think it's a bit uneven in tone and maybe the payoff isn't worth it for them. Uh, but but I liked it. Like, Megan just looks freaky even before things are getting a lot freakier. But, you know, it's, it's the hot button movie of the month. Neither of you two have seen that yet, have you? I have not. Nope. It's not going to be one that you're going to rush to watch, is it, Dave? No. Nope. Well, the thing is, I I have um, Peacock for yeah, it's Universal, right? Anyway, I I have or Paramount. I have both Peacock and Paramount for a year, and it'll be there in like February third. So I'm not rushing out either way. Yeah, fair enough. It's. Yeah, it's it's not an essential one at the cinema. I uh, I convinced Vicky that it would be worth seeing. So we've not been out to see anything for a while. So we we did, and it was also fun for me because somehow she'd not seen any of the advertising on your this. So I was just like, I think you're gonna like it, but it looks a bit weird. But in a way, you might like. And as I say, throughout the sort of first third. While things were relatively normal, Vicky still leaning over to me. He's <laughs> like, that doll was pretty freaking freaky. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an Android Olsen twin. That's what it is. Or sister. Uh, that is me. Unfortunately, no extra credit Japanuary watches. I'm sorry, guys. I've let us all down. Ah, fucking Kevin, man. You were like our last hope. We, we've we done terribly on Japanuary this year. But to be fair, mind... I spent a lot of this week still recovering from my brain overheating last week. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And I did I did watch a bonus Sono, which ties into some we watched this week. Uh, this week, we're watching three films from Sion Sono. Uh, including the 2001 Suicide Club, the 2015 The Whispering Star, and 2021's 
Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Hey, Kevin? Yes. No, fuck it. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to take Prisoners of the Ghost Land first. Okay. Because yeah, I was going to make you describe it, but no. Okay. I'm going to be I'm going to be kind. Thank you. Um Okay. Notorious criminal hero is sent to rescue the governor's adopted granddaughter who has disappeared into a dark region called the Ghost Land. Um That's how Wikipedia describes it and it's really the best way to describe it cuz if you get into details it gets I love this movie. I really, really enjoy this film. This is okay. This is this is an art film that says a lot of things. It has a shit ton of shit going on. But the best thing about this movie is so many honky film bros from the U.S. and U.K. and Canada don't fucking understand shit about it because it refuses to explain anything. And I love that. I sent you guys the review from one of our old acquaintances on the IMDb board, right? Uh, yes, I believe yes. you did. And that that is... was some time ago, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It was a couple days ago. Uh, and it's basically a, a rant of why this makes no sense. But the thing is, everything in it does make sense. Now, you might say it's not total. it doesn't totally land. But what you can say, and I think everybody can agree, is that it is a very visually interesting looking film. Like, it's really well shot for no money. It doesn't shy away from its themes, uh, even though the stuff about, like, nuclear issues is, is front and center. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. I mean, the whole film is basically about the westernization of Japanese culture in cinema. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about how... Asian, especially Japanese actors, are treated in Hollywood. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that, like, I could go point by point, but that will be really boring. And Nick Cage is great. I mean, I, I love Nicolas Cage, and I love his his explosive suit. And I, I love uh, Bill Mosley as the governor in it. I really just love a lot of the things in this film. Um, Sono really does hit a lot of Hollywood racist takes in this and I think that's one reason like all of the leads are and the villain too are more acceptable Hollywood figures and a lot of the Asian people in it aren't allowed to speak or some are more Latino and being used to pass as Asian, especially one of I think both of the women that leave with Bernice in the second scene are replaced with other actresses who are not Asian when they speak. Uh, when Bernice is put in the the cover suit uh, that standed in for, um, you know, the white co-opting of Asian culture, she's not allowed to speak. There's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. It, granted, I, I will be the first one to say that it's not all successful, but it never stops. It keeps going, and I think it's kind of a shame that a lot of people seem to miss a lot of the things it goes for. And this isn't like this isn't an indictment of the audience. Uh, it's just that this was made for 
this this is a movie made for and by a Japanese film geek. So, you know, if you're not going to dive into that, it's you're going to miss some of it. And I think that's it's a shame that it's not a little bit more. It doesn't speak to some of these things a bit more. A lot of it is just it's there. It's commented on visually or in tone. And granted, I, I like that they don't feel the need to explain everything, but it does lead to a lot of folks just not understanding what the fuck is going on, which is why a lot of people will tell you that it's absolute nonsense. And that's just it's just not true. So I think everybody's miles will vary. And it's a tentative film that I recommend to people. But. I mean, compared to the other two movies we watched this week, it's probably the most accessible. Well, I have to start by confessing that, uh, yeah, certainly my first viewing of this, I'd seen this, um, this is my second viewing. I didn't uh, get it. So I think I was either spectating or involved in conversation you had where you're bringing up a lot of this stuff back then and uh and i could appreciate it like i sort of wanted to slap myself on the forehead and be like oh duh as you say the the nuclear stuff certainly front and center but all the rest didn't register as much for me so watching this time i knew that was there and yet it seems all the more obvious and i think you could watch it and if you don't sort of appreciate what else is going on you know you don't have to like it but yeah the the annoying thing was about that whole conversation was you explained everything and someone replied basically just like well no (laughs) it's just a dumb film and i hate it like you can still hate the film but uh Everything that you know you've said, Dave, and I'm sure others could uh, could bring up from the film, it's it's there in the film. <laughs> like it's not it's not actually um, you know buried away to be completely unfindable. So it's there. I still though I I'm in the the camp where it doesn't quite work for me and i i thought it would uh, this combo of sono and nick cage i was like i am so down for this uh, like you know it's going to be the best of everything i'm going to love it i also really like uh sophia butella and she's there as bernice uh that's a a small but pivotal role uh so that's good bill mosley's in there great I don't I don't know. It is visually interesting. Sono does pack a lot into every scene. I think there's um I think there's there are two things really. I think the I think the script isn't quite as sort of tight or focused as it could be because I think that the stuff that comes through um, and the sort of the things that's exploring thematically a lot of that 
to me comes through in the visuals uh, and and the way Sono presents things rather than through just the script itself. That's that's almost like a basic skeleton of a plot that everything goes around. Um, and Cage, like this should be kind of a great role for Maximum Cage. And he has a couple of moments there. But then he's, you know, deliberately or not, he's almost kind of a lot of the time uh, a bit of a, not a blank slate, but just a, a non-entity walking through. But he's the one chosen to get a job done and it'll get done because, yeah, he is the, sorry, quotation marks, hero of the piece. Um. You know, as I say, these things might all be very carefully planned to have that effect. But unfortunately for me, in terms of the the movie, uh, its final result doesn't quite work for me. Um, I got a bit more of it this time, making sure I wasn't being as as blinkered when I was looking at sort of the way everyone is used and how things are set up. But it's still, it it lacks a, a rather simplistic enjoyment factor as well that I thought should come from that combination. And a lot of people have viewed it that way and taken that away from it. So again, I think it's just a, uh, different viewpoints on it and some people can view this as a fun wild piece and not even need the other stuff that's there to be sort of really dug into and explored uh some people might you know get the best of both worlds uh like you dave if you think it's fun as well and you know the stuff that's working just below the surface or on the surface then that's a win-win but unfortunately for me, it just ends up sitting at a kind of middle ground. So, uh, yeah, this movie got a shitload of hate back when it came out. I hadn't seen it until this week, and not because of the hate. Because if you know me, I, I could give a shit about hate. Uh, 75% of the movies I love are hated. So <laughs> it is what it is. I, I just have a huge stack of movies I haven't gotten to yet, and this was in that stack. But uh, anyways, though, I thought this was pretty fucking fantastic. Despite having a lot of Americans as the leads, this was still 100% Japanese insanity and a full tilt fucking chaotic mess in the best possible way. It felt like a Japanese samurai western post-apocalyptic genre hybrid fever dream thing. It's just it's off the wall nuts. I just I'm right there with Dave. I love that it doesn't explain a fucking thing because like I've said many times in the past, I don't really need a plot spoon fed to me just throw a bunch of crazy shit and cool visuals at my face and i'm happy that's it um some of the visuals here are pretty striking too i mean with the little money it was made for the production design is insane i mean it looks great it lo this looks like a huge budget movie and it, it the budget i don't know what the budget was but i've heard it wasn't high um the cast is great Cage does go full cage, but I also thought he did reel it back, too, which I also appreciated. Uh, he's great here. Uh, Bill Mosley is 
fucking fantastic as the villain. I loved Bill Mosley on this. Uh, for how much I love Cage here, Mosley stole the show for me. He's great. I just I, I wish Mosley would get more big roles like this because he's just he's wonderful. It's just a it's really ambitious. It has a lot to say. It doesn't play by any rules. It's just it's really fucking good. And I'm so happy I finally got to watch this. I don't know why it took me so damn long, but I'm just so happy I unwrapped that Blu-ray this week. So yeah, good stuff. I really enjoyed this. Yay! I knew I well, I, I knew I'd have Cap, uh, Tyler. Okay. I knew Tyler would be on my side for this one. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with Kevin's pick. Actually, I'm gonna go with Suicide Club, and uh, it's about police officers who investigate a string of mysterious suicides throughout Japan. Uh, I remember renting Suicide Club from Hollywood Video back in the early 2000s. I loved it back then, but I haven't seen it since, uh, despite owning that Danger After Dark box set. And yeah, it's just as good as I remember, if not better. Uh, this is fantastic stuff. I, I seem to have missed a lot of the commentary back in the day, too, because I never realized how sharp the satirical elements are in this, like the superficiality of pop culture and the following of trends in society and how media can influence one's actions. And apparently the suicide rate in Japan was pretty big back when this came out. So it also uses that as a theme of the film as well. Um, the opening scene is still pretty fucking shocking and super effective, too. I mean, kind of reminded me of The Happening, if you know The Happening was actually good. Uh, the cast is great. It's really brutal and super cynical and bleak. Yet it has this bizarre, almost cheery tone, which shouldn't work on paper. But Sono handles the tones so fucking well, and it works so good here. It's got some really good gore. It's paced really well. The script is good. I just, I love the soundtrack. Yeah, this movie is awesome. And like I said, it's even better the second time around. Really great stuff. Uh, uh, I am, I, I like Suicide Club. I'm not as big into it as Tyler is. Uh, mostly because one of the things I did watch this week was the sequel, Noriko's Dining Table, which I think is the better film. And I think it's a shame that they didn't finish the trilogy. There's a book that came out around the time of Noriko's Dining Table, that or dinner, dinner Table. i probably getting the title way wrong. Um, uh, that is what this whole story would have been called uh, Suicide Circle Complete Edition. But it's never been translated into English, and I can't read Japanese, so I have no fucking clue. <laughs> but um, I, I like Suicide Club, not as much as some others. I, I I think it tends to get a little too cutesy with things, and a lot gets cut out that I don't think should have just been totally removed. Like the nurses, there's a whole subplot with them that is just yanked out, so... One one nurse just disappears. Uh, if you watch the trailer, they actually do show bits of that subplot that got removed. She faxed herself. Which, you know, did you pick that up from the movie? No, actually. No. Yeah, <laughs> she just disappears. Um, You know, it's, just, it's one of those movies where I, I think there's a lot of good things for it. But, and this is what separates it from Prisoner's of a ghost land and the whispering star for me is I don't think it's as, um, 
it's not as focused. It, it, what it's saying is not as it's saying a whole lot, but some of it I think it's a little muddled, which I know is weird because I just praise Prisoners of a Ghostland, and that's pretty muddled in a lot of spots. But I think when this works, it's really good. Uh, the stuff with the cops are pretty solid. But then there's a lot of filler. Like, Genesis is filler. The Bat is filler. And then when you see the sequel, Noriko's Dinner, it like there's no reason for that shit. So I kind of wish that he'd had it a bit. Like, I know he sat down and he's like, I'm going to make a trilogy. But it feels like the first segment is a little... It's a little meandering. It's a little lost. I think that's a shame because I think there's some really good stuff in here. I, I just kind of wish it was all together from the word go. And it, it doesn't feel that way to me. But the cast is really good. Uh, the suicides are pure Sono. There is so much fucking blood in this movie. And so much like gallons of it that I, I love it. Especially that opening, man. That opening is something you just don't forget after seeing it. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I like Suicide Club. It's just one of those ones that every time I see it, I think about just how if it just percolate, like if they had the full thing planned out at first, it could have just been like perfection. Instead, it's still a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. But it just, you know, it, it kind of meanders a bit too much in places for me. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think I'd have to agree with you, Dave. I, I like this a lot. This was my first time watch. It's just one of those titles that I thought of as a kind of big title that I'd never got to over the years. I'm thinking that years ago, this might have been released here on DVD on the, I think it might have been. There was a label called like Tartanasia, Tartanasia Extreme. And I'm sure I'd seen the cover from their release, but I just never got round to it. And I didn't know Sono's name back then at that point. So it just felt like one, I was long overdue checking off the list. It also felt to me, I, I don't know if this is factually correct or if I've seen something in a movie and misremembered it all this time, but they they certainly at one point, didn't they have a problem with suicides in Japan? Like spates of suicides? Oh, yeah. Was no, it still a big problem over suicide, there? Suicide, I don't know about currently, but especially in the 2000s and I think early 2010s, it was mm -hmm. it was it was bad. I don't know if it still is though, so I probably should have looked that up. Um, I I heard of that, and it, that meant that this felt a little bit kind of um, you know, not edgier is not not the right word, but uh, so a, a bit more a bit more daring and and probably like quite confrontational in terms of you know, how it might be viewed by Japanese audiences. So it was always of more interest to me than many other titles. And I liked it. I think it's, 
it's got a, a few good set pieces. It is a, a wild ride. I do like the the weird, uh, as, as Tyler said, the, the pop culture stuff, uh, especially just the, the way the little uh, kind of cheesy uh, pop band figures into this. And hey, you get um, musical interludes to break up the bloodshed, so that's all right. But it is um, maybe necessarily so. It is quite a, a fractured film. It doesn't really feel as if it's it's ever threading together as well as it should. In a way, it might have been better if it was an anthology movie with some kind of framework around it. Because there are times where it feels like that anyway, especially when you're checking off the days and it's going to different groups of people, potential suicides, um, and one or two little connections between some of them. I think the least interesting part of this is the is the person who's on the phone uh, and was wait I'm getting mixed up was that the bat was that what you were saying Dave or was the, that a the different bat, name the bat the was the call? woman who calls the first time then there's the boy calling later there's a boy yeah um, I I just didn't you know I was never watching this thinking all right now we're fully going to zodiac territory it just didn't add anything there so it almost worked better with less of that attempt to to put a police investigation spin on things because it's ultimately as well scarier when you don't have a explanation you can reach for and just sort of have someone try to pin down and then you know get a solution that will save people it, it would have been more effective that way i think but it's certainly a memorable film and it's an interesting one i i don't know about the gestation of it but i would imagine that uh as as we were saying with the spates of suicides that japan have whether or not it is an ongoing problem uh, this was you know this was definitely I, I think this was a, a brave one to to go with and i think the tone is generally pretty good when it's dealing with the actual suicides um because they're done as set pieces and then we do get to sort of feel how others are impacted uh, from those events and i i liked i liked that part of it i don't know i don't know what would have improved this most but as i say maybe some kind of anthology slash you know butterfly effect style not the kuchner movie the actual butterfly effect um showing the the impact of these actions would have worked better because there's, there's hundreds mm-hmm. by the i mean there are several hundred suicides during the course of this movie yeah yeah and you get you get one or two people effectively impacted and that that works well 
or when you get the general fear amongst people who don't know what's going on, why these things are happening. I think that works well, but you don't really get enough. It's almost like Sono thinks it's better to interweave that with the police investigation part. And I don't think that was the way to do it uh, personally. But I'm, I'm glad I marked off a list and you know, I didn't uh, make us watch two and a half hours of cold fish. Which is good, but uh, we were trying to avoid the the epics. I think Cold Fish was Sono. I think that might have been the first Sono film that I, I actually ever saw. Anyway, uh, for a change of atmosphere, we go to The Whispering Star, which uh, apparently isn't a euphemism for any female body parts. So thank goodness for that, Dave, because I thought you'd snuck in a Pinku movie there for us. It was released by Nikatsu. I was wor- <laughs> like when that came up on screen, I was I was worried for a second. <laughs> it is a contemplative sci-fi film in which at the IMDB plot description says a feminine android delivers packages to the scattered humans in the galaxy. With years to spare, the android and us have time to contemplate what it is to be human. That's it. Written and directed by Sono. I I read up more on The Whispering Star than I did on the other films, because the other films I, I just sort of had clearer thoughts on immediately. The Whispering Star is probably the most atypical Sono film that I've seen so far. I don't know how it compares to everything else in his filmography, but I've seen a good 10 or 12 of his films now, and this is unlike any of those. And yet, it was made in a year where he did about five or six. I think he was trying to sort of get the same uh, prolific number as Takashi Miki for one year or something. It was a it was a busy year for him, and you can't tell from this film because it it feels like just a a well crafted, thoughtful, uh, lovingly made sci fi movie. I can tell why why you went for this. It's got. Like it definitely has an air of Tarkovsky to it. Um, but also, I mean, it's just in line with with classic sci-fi movies that uh that you know don't have laser blasts and starship fights. Could easily put this on a double bow, for example, with uh, silent running. You could do that. I I really ended up quite liking the Whispering Star. Um, it's it's a strange one though to kind of vocalise the appeal of it I don't know if I'll convince anyone else when I'm trying to tell them how much I enjoyed watching someone walk around with a can on their foot and listening to the noise that makes like some 
cheap tap shoe made of litter. It was it was quite wonderful. Um, once again, you'll appreciate this, Dave. I started filming a state of confusion, so I just thought, right, that's normal for Japan, right? But I figured things out and enjoyed it. The thing I will say, I watched this on the uh, Internet Archive on my computer with my headphones on. This film is basically one hour, 40 minutes of hair tingling ASMR. I don't know if you guys had the same experience. Obviously, it's called The Whispering Star. The main actress uh, whispers throughout. And it was definitely, definitely uh, effective in that way. If people like ASMR and want to hear someone talking throughout a whole film, then they should definitely watch this. I really liked it. I think it's I think it's lovely, uh, even if it feels like the anti-sono in a way. Uh, I'd be very interested to find out if he has more films like this as well. Because like this is a million miles away from say anti-porno. Uh yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with Kevin. I loved this movie. Uh, this was so different than any Sona movie I've seen thus far. Uh, he strips down everything that he's usually known for with his films to this really quiet, somber, almost meditative sci-fi film. Like Sono's love letter to, to Kar- Tarkovsky and Kubrick. It's just a love letter to science fiction in general. It's also fucking gorgeous to look at. That monochrome black and white, the way the shots are framed, it's all so masterfully done. The way the loneliness and silence of space is captured, the AI and the spaceship felt like a, the perfect homage to Hal from 2001. I love the atmosphere of those abandoned cities. It, it all felt super eerie, yet has this weirdly comforting vibe to it. Uh, I love the whispering voiceovers, the minimalist Im- imagery. The The lead is fantastic. She's wonderful. But yeah, this this movie was amazing. Just a work of art and I can't believe I hadn't heard of it until now because avant-garde science fiction involving cyborgs and spaceships are totally my fucking jam and Dave knows this so he did right by picking this one uh I'm gonna say this right now this is top three from Sono if not my favorite this was pretty goddamn special I just I love this movie yeah, I had seen this once before. I saw it at a film festival in, oh, uh, 2016, I think, in D.C. Um, at, at the Smithsonian. So uh, I, I wasn't going in totally blind. Uh, and I did know that it would be right up Tyler's alley. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really good. I love uh, I love the look. It's a weird aesthetic of both. uh lo-fi sci like it's purposefully lo-fi sci-fi and i love that little spaceship i don't know how even the android survives on it for so long but you know i go crazy but it's just this quiet meditative little flick and i enjoyed the hell out of it 
uh, Megumi Kegurazaka, who is also uh, married to Sion Sono, or was. I don't know if that's still a thing, and I didn't look. I probably should have. That would have made sense, since it tied into what we're doing, but what the fuck ever. She is also in um, Coldfish, and um, what else? She's in Coldfish, Guilty of Romance, and The Land of Hope. She's really good in those also. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just a gorgeous little meditative film. It's set in a world where anything above 30 decibels might kill a human being. I mean, it's just a great little meditation on on humanity and, and hope and how we deal with each other. And I, I adored it. It was, without a doubt, my favorite one this week. It's not easily accept- accessible. Like I said, I only knew about it because I had seen it at a film festival a few years ago. So, uh, looking for it, the only place I could find it, Kevin already said, is Archive. So, like, you can't rent it. You can't buy it. (laughs) It's just not out there. But I do suggest people go to the one place that it is and, and give it a watch. It's it's gorgeous even even the david lynch planet she goes to at one point and uh, i know i joked about the uh the potential pinku but actually when i saw i can't remember the poster design i saw but when i was looking for it i thought you'd picked another anime there there one or two designs. It was maybe just the way it was on my computer screen. No, the but, the, um, po- the, yeah, the poster looks kind of kind of anime, and, and Nikatsu is well known for their pinkus. So I mean, both are <laughs> both are reasonable assumptions if you don't know what you're. Because I think the only other Nikatsu film we've seen was Sono's Anti Porno on this podcast. Um, I could be wrong. There, there might have been one or two others. What? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think we watched any of the uh, Diamond Guys uh, sets. Well, no, but Nikatsu's a big, well, was a big studio in Japan, so I'm sure we have seen others. They just cut off the title when it's brought over here. Because uh, like, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think of many other Nikatsu's I've seen. Which just might be, you know, me misremembering. But anyway. It's time to pick one. As I already said, for me, it's the Whispering Star. That that hallway sequence in the end is just gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it's the Whispering Star for me, too. Yep, the Whispering Star. Nice. Ooh, that's so no sweet for Dave. I know, that's, mm, that's sweet. Uh, this is our last episode in january so uh next week is uh first january episode february episode where it's free rain again and uh our special is underwater movies kevin yes do you have a normal pick and a special pick to give us they're both kind of special in a way dave but yes i do the normal special pick is uh we are finally going to make up for last time and uh, watch Blackbird. You can all thank me later. The 2022 Michael Flatley epic 
That is that is happening now. It's unavoidable. It was in your fate since it was announced. And for the special pick, I think Tyler's been a good boy. And I don't want to ruin his year yet. So for the underwater special, I'm picking underwater. Ooh, you sneaky bastard. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn that was going fucking another direction, but hey. Oh, I know. Oh, shit. That's... Oh, man. Okay, so uh, Craig won't be here, so I'm picking in his place. And I was going to go with Golden Arm because I just got that at the um, Vinegar Syndrome sale. But I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to save that for when he's here. I thought, oh, I'm going to make Tyler hurt. But then Kevin said underwater, and that made me think of Personal Shopper, which I've had sitting on my desk and haven't watched for however long. So I'm going with Personal Shopper. Nice. Okay. We're going hard into the T. Which is not, it's not right. We shouldn't be this kind to him. <laughs> Remember, I, I did just pick Angel Guts Red Porno, but hey. Yeah, Actually, I know you yeah. did. This is why we shouldn't <laughs> be that. Why the fuck would you remind me of that? <laughs> Can I change my pick to the Life Aquatic? <laughs> you can. Yeah, it's not too late. <laughs> but I also did promise I would never pick another Angel Guts movie, and I, I will stick to that promise. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore pod. We're on Facebook, where I sometimes remember to post up on Wednesday. I remember this week. Yay. And we have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, and comment and watch Kevin's totally awesome videos weekly. Uh, we will see you next week, guys. See ya. See ya. See ya. Yeah.